This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Lord, as we look into your word of life this morning, Jehovah, we ask, O oh God, that you will speak to us. That, Lord, you will reveal your word unto us. You will teach us by yourself. Holy Spirit, you are the greatest teacher of all. Uh, teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Our title, the title of our sermon today is Love One Another. I see some people already have it on their app. So if you have the church app, the sermon notes is already on the church app. Uh, and this journey that we have been going on, uh, I hope it's been exciting for you as it has been for me. Uh, even though by the grace of God I'm the one preaching and teaching, I am being ministered to as well as we go along. So today as we talk about love one another, last week we said let's talk about love. Right? And some people were afraid to lift up their hand when I said who is in love and uh, all of those things. Thank goodness my wife is still in love with me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You better clap. Uh, if there's a problem in that department, it will not be good. <laughs> but so when you read the scriptures, there are many adjectives that are used to describe God. You know, the scriptures tell us he's righteous, he's holy, right? He's pure. So many different adjectives that were used to, to describe God. He's just. That's who he is. He's just. But there are three basic nouns that are used to describe God in the New Testament. Uh, those nouns can be verbs in some situation, but it's not English class. All right, but you know what a noun is. A noun is a, a person, a place, or a thing, right? But these three words that are used to describe God in the New Testament are the three basic nouns that were used to describe him. And all of them, interestingly, starts with an L. God is light, God is love, and God is life. Those are the three basic nouns that are used to describe God. We have seen before in First uh, uh, John chapter 1, the fifth verse, he said, this is the message that we had from, from the beginning that we preach unto you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. God is light. God is light. And then the, the second noun that is used to describe God is God is life. God is life. John chapter 4 verse 6, it says, He is what? The life, the truth, the way. Not in that order, but you know what I'm saying. Maya, what the way you are looking at me. <laughs> the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you, sir. Amen. He is the life. He's the life. Life, when it says God is life, it doesn't just mean that God is the source of life. It means God himself is life. Jesus said to the, uh, to the Jews, he said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have life. 
He said, but all your searching is leading you to me. What's he saying? In me is life. I am the one that gives life. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, if you read from uh, verse 4, John chapter 1 from verse 4, it says that in him was life, and the life, he said the word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Verse 5. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God is light. God is life. The thought now, and some of you might push back on this, but love can be a verb and it can be a noun. Amen? Because God says, I am love. He said, God is love. It's talking about a person, and it calls that person love. That's a noun. That's not love in action. That's love personified. It says, God is love. For the rest of our study, we'll be looking at the love of God. Why? Because God is love. Look at your neighbor. Say, God is love. God is love. God is love. And there's no doubt about that. So the rest of the epistle from here on out is talking about the love of God. The love we're talking about here is not, it's not an indulgent kind of love. Love that just lets you do whatever you like and there are no repercussions, no cause. No, 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 no. The love that God has for us is what you can call a holy love. Somebody say holy love. It means embodied in that love is his holiness. Amen. So God, because he loves me, is not going to give me permission to do what is wrong. Can somebody say amen to that? Why? Because the love that God has for us is a holy kind of love. Amen? It's a holy kind of love. Listen to this. Last week, we talked about love. We said love, love prompts us to action. Right? Love compels us to act. Love compels us to do stuff. When I fell in love with my wife, I began to do some strange things. And don't be looking at me like that. You did the same. Amen? <laughs> when we fall in love, we do strange things. Love compels us to do certain things. And because we love God, we don't want to disappoint him. We don't want to fail him. Why? Because he loves us so much and we don't want him to be disappointed with us. Our text today is going to be taken from 1 John, 1 John chapter 3 from 11 to 24. But I understand we may not be able to finish, so we're not going to read the whole thing just to save time there. But let's read verses 11 and 12 to start with. It says, this is the message again. So, twice now he has given us emphasis. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, he said, This is the message that you have had from the beginning, that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Again, here he's telling us, he said, This is the message that you have heard from the beginning. What is that message? We should love one another. We should love one another. For those that still carry hard copy Bible, that's where you need to underline. This is a message from God 
to you and to myself. The message is love one another. Love one another. Verse 12. Verse 12. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill his brother? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. Hallelujah. Uh, a while back, uh, it must have been almost two years ago now, I did a teaching on offering, tithing, uh, yeah, I think tithing offering, basically, where we talked about Cain and Abel. Does anybody remember that? We t- we're talking about Cain and Abel, you know, and the reason why Abel's offering was acceptable to God and the reason why Cain's offering may not have been accepted by God. So I said, don't be, don't, don't be like Cain, right? Don't be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because he was doing what was wrong and the brother was doing what was right. Listen, in John chapter 13, verse 34, the Bible says, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. This is Jesus speaking here. And he's talking to his disciples. He's saying one thing that is going to be key to your life, if you are going to exemplify being a child of God, the one thing that must stand out about your life is that you love one another. Amen? And verse 35, he said, for your, for, not for, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So it's not money that will prove that we are the disciples of Jesus. It's not uh, big houses. It's not the kind of car I drive. Say, oh, everybody in Salvation Center drives a Mercedes Benz. That would be cool, but that's not what makes us disciples of Christ. Amen? Everybody in Salvation Center is a professional. That's not what makes us disciples. That's not what makes us children of God. He said the one thing that will reveal who we are as children of God is if we love one another. You remember in Matthew chapter 32, they asked Jesus, said, which is the greatest of the law? The law of Moses. Said, which is the greatest? And trying to entrap him. And Jesus said to him, he said, uh, you will love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all of that. And he said, the second commandment is just as important as the first. He said that you will love your neighbor just as yourself. Listen to me. There are basically two forces in this life. Force of good and force of evil. Basically, you can divide everything into those two columns. When it comes to forces of good and forces of uh, evil, there's no gray area. Amen? It's either you are for God or you are against God. Hallelujah. You have good, you have evil, you have light, you have darkness, you have love, you have hate, you have truth, you have lies, you have righteousness, you have wickedness. Both of them don't work together. They are contrary and opposed to one another. Amen? So it says, don't be like, don't be like Cain. And it is important that we pause there to look at ourselves. Friends, one of the things I want you to understand whenever you read scripture is try to locate yourself in what you're reading. How does this 
apply to me. So it gives us two examples here, the example of Cain and the example of Abel. So very quickly, I should be able to look in that text and ask myself, where do I belong? Do I belong to the Cain camp or do I belong to the Abel camp? If you are following in the app, the number one there, the two blanks you have, is Cain and Abel. So he said, we must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother was doing what was righteous. Evil and evildoers are always attacking the righteous and the people that are doing right things. Always. Always. Have you noticed how, I, I told you this story before, and I, know if, I don't know if any of you saw it. It was on TV, national TV. This is not uh, a hidden thing. A lady that at 34 had never known a man. And they were talking about her that she has psychological problems. You know why? Because her righteousness exposes their evil doing. So evil doers, when they see something righteous, they will attack it. They will attack it. It does not mean you are doing anything wrong. It just means what you're doing, they have figured, is exposing their own wrongdoing. Amen? So you decide to keep yourself pure, no fornication, no adultery. In fact, my wife once told me that somebody told her, you mean you've been with the same guy for 20 years? How boring. How boring. She just couldn't comprehend how you can be with one man for that long. Pastor Cole, how many years? 40? Or 50? Something like that. <laughs> Something in that ballpark. We celebrate you. We celebrate you, man. The lady just couldn't believe it. You know why? Her obedience to God was exposing her weakness, uh, her wickedness. So don't be, don't, be, don't be moved when people call you names and they call you weird. Oh, you mean at 19, at 20, you mean you're still, you're, you've not known a man? And they look at you funny. I know we have children in the house today. That's why I'm minding my language. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, there was a young lady in our church way back. I was still in Nigeria at the time. I was a minister at one of the churches. And she was close to me. So she came and met me. And she was asking me that, is it true that guys don't like a girl that has never been with a man? By the time we talked back and forth, I knew she was talking about herself. <laughs> So I told her, any man that doesn't like you because of that was never meant for you. Hallelujah. <laughs> Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself holy. Do not mind the popular culture. Don't go with the flow. Don't go with the wind. You say, oh, that's what everybody is doing. Therefore, me too, I want to. No. No. No, you are not headed in the same direction. Yes. If you were going in the, to the same place 
and you were doing something different from them, then you can begin to wonder. But if you have different destinations in life, then you cannot compare your travel ticket. Amen? You say, let me see your ticket. Let me see your ticket. Oh, mine is going to Lagos. Yours is going to Accra. But I like it. Let's just go together. <laughs> You're headed in, the, in different directions. You're headed in different directions. So be happy and be excited about the faith that you have in Christ Jesus. You know, I, I, this was not me. This was not me, but uh, let me finish it before you start laughing. At <laughs> you, know, you know, in school, they may look at you and call you names and say you're a bookworm. You're a nerd. They call you all kinds of names. Your degree will sort everybody out. Or after the exam and somebody's on top and somebody's repeating and somebody's delayed, that is what will reveal it. So don't, don't get carried away when people call you names. Let what God says about you define who you are. Let that be the definition of your life. Cain and Abel. <laughs> Have you noticed that those videos you watch online, uh, you know, I'm not going to mention names to popularize it. <laughs> Those videos you watch online of people talking about, oh, tithing is Old Testament, we don't tithe anymore. Uh, it's because they are not tithing. Yeah. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, by, there's an old proverb. Ah! God will help me. There's an old proverb that says, the person that is doing bad stuff is looking for company. He said, misery loves company. Uh, it's, it's not like that, really, but it's, it's close to it. They are just looking. The person that is a tither is not complaining. They are not complaining. I, I'm certainly not complaining. In fact, for like three years, for like three years, I was getting letters from IRS asking me to explain my income. You know why? They thought I gave too much to the church. He said, how is it that you are able to give 20, 30 percent? I mean, if you made a million dollars and you gave 20 percent, that's still understandable. 300,000, so you can live on 700. But when you are making 100,000 and you are giving away 30,000, they begin to wonder, you have mortgage, you have this, you have that. You, how are you surviving? Maybe you have hidden income that you are not declaring. So the people that will attack you as a tither are not going to be tithers. Somebody that is tithing is not going to ask you, so why are you tithing? Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because the righteousness of Abel exposed the wickedness of Cain. That's why he decided to kill him. It made him feel uncomfortable. It made him feel bad. That what do you mean? This and that. And God said to him, look, if you have done well, would you not be accepted? Listen, the scripture says, and that there are so many, the Bible did not clearly tell us what had happened there, but listen to this. Some Bible scholars believe that ah, they both should have known that an animal sacrifice is what God desires. Because that's what he did for their parents. When they sinned, he killed an animal to give him a covering. Now they should have known that. But when you just look at it based on what is in scripture, what is written, the Bible says 
Cain gave out of some of his crops. You know? It's like you, <laughs> yeah, you say you are, you are paying tithe, but you are just giving something. Your tithe is 10% of your income. I, I believe we know that. Right? For it to be acceptable to God as your tithe, it has to be a 10%. Otherwise, it's not a tithe. For, Cain, uh, for Abel, the Bible says the very best. Can we read that scripture? When he presented his, he was the very best. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Abel also brought a gift. The best of the firstborn lambs from this flock. His first fruit is what he brought to God. One of the things that I do as much as possible, as much as possible, the moment I get paid, the first thing I do is I pay my tithe. And then we'll see how far the rest will go. <laughs> but some other folks, they, they spend on everything else and say, Oh, this is not enough for tithe. Anyway, I just give to the Lord. Like Cain's offering, he will be rejected. It can be an offering. It can be accepted as an offering, but it cannot be accepted as a tithe. Your tithe is simply, listen, listen, very simple. What the tithe is, is a test of obedience. Will I be obedient to God? God says, if I'm hungry, I'm not going to come to you. <laughs> he doesn't eat fish. He doesn't eat uh, goat meat. <laughs> he doesn't eat any of that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He says, if I, if I need food, I'm not going to come to you. All our tithe is, is a test of obedience. It's a test of obedience. That's all the, there is to it. Listen to this. From verse 13, 1 John chapter 3, 13 to 15. It says, don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Because they can't understand you. They don't get you. How do you give 30% of your income to church as a charitable giving? Are you not? Are you not? He said, the world, don't be surprised. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If, if, you, if we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Listen to verse 15 now. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. That is not to be taken literally, but it should be taken seriously. Praise the Lord. It's not literal, but it's serious. It's saying, for you and I, as children of God, it can never be that you will say, I don't like that sister, or I hate that brother. In the body of Christ. In the body of Christ. He said he must never be had amongst us. He said anyone who does that is a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. What is he saying? If you are saying you hate somebody in the church, he said you don't have a part in Christ. That's all he said. That's the love that God expects us to have. Very quickly, uh, uh, number two, uh, Jesus' love for us. 
Jesus' love for us. Let's read 1 John 3, 16 to 18. 1 John 3, 16 to 18. He said, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life. What's he telling us? The love of Christ is a self-sacrificing love. The love of Christ is not selfish. The love of Christ is not self-absorbed. You know, it's not, it's not narcissistic that I'm better than everybody else. Look at my shoes. I'm wearing whatever name the names of the shoes are. You say, why is he wearing these tattered shoes? You, you are puffed up within yourself. I'm better. It's not a comparison thing. He said the love of Christ is self-sacrificing. He gave up himself for you and I. He gave up his life for us. Right? It's not self-indulgent. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. It didn't say it doesn't mean go and die for somebody. That's not what he said. It's just saying we must be self-sacrificing. Thank you, ma'am. Self-sacrificing. Look out for the good of others. Is there a way I can be a blessing to Shem? Is there a way I can be a blessing to Dan? Is there a way I can be a blessing to Keegan? The love of Christ is not separating, it's uniting. It pulls together. It brings us together. Anywhere in the church, where you see the spirit of division, know that is not the spirit of Christ. Any spirit that wants to say our group is better than the other group, that is not Christ. He said, love one another. Love one another. You, you, let's continue reading. If someone, he says, so let us give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Verse 17. If someone has enough money, to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion. He asked a question. He said, how, how can God's love be in such a person? He said, ask yourself. You know, so it doesn't matter the balance in my bank account. So I have a million dollar balance in my bank account. And so I, I take joy in reviewing the balance. <laughs> it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. But you have people around you in your church, in the body, that are suffering, apparently suffering. You say, well, they didn't ask me. And then the time they even ask, you say they didn't ask well. <laughs> At first, they didn't ask. And then when they managed to ask, you say, he was just talking as if I'm, I'm responsible for his life. He said, if there is anyone amongst you, you have enough money to live well. And there are people suffering around you. He said, you have not. He said, how, how can it be that the love of God, the love of Christ, is in such a person? He said, dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. What he's saying is this. Because of the way you act, because of the way you conduct yourself, that is what shows and proves the love of Christ is in you. Say, love one another. 
if we're going to build the body, if we're going to build the church, we're going to have to love one another. And we're going to be passionate in love with one another. Passionate about one another. That is how the body will be built. That is why in Acts chapter 4, the Bible says they sold everything they had, they brought it to the apostles so that nobody amongst them will lack. If I'm invested in somebody, you don't think I'll be looking out for their best interest. That's why when the, bo- when the bank loans you money to build a house, <laughs> if they hear that your insurance has lapsed, very quickly you will hear from the bank. You think it's because they like you? <laughs> they are protecting their investment. The moment they know your insurance, you didn't pay insurance. In fact, because of that, they will add your insurance money to your mortgage note. So we don't need to worry about you not paying insurance. We will pay it on your behalf. Why? Because of their vested interest. If we have vested interest in one another, we will treat each other better. Praise the Lord. How must we love? What are the actions that we need to take? You know the, you know the uh, text, First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. You read from 1 to 7, but our time is fast spent. Let's read from verse 4. It says, love is patient and kind. What's it saying? Let's be patient with one another. Amen? Let's be kind to one another. Praise the Lord. We are all at different stages in this journey. Amen? Over the years, I mean 17 years plus, I've developed some thick skin. <laughs> you throw, back in the day, some things you throw at me, I go home, I can't sleep. <laughs> if I, once they throw it at me, if I, that's, uh, it's like a sleeping pill. It, it helps me sleep quick. So I say, Lord, you have seen it, they have started again. Into your hand, I commit my soul. I hit the bed. <sighs> my wife is like, you're sleeping? I said, what will I do? <laughs> I can't hold their mouth from talking. They have abused me. They have insulted me. What more can I do? I've prayed for them. I, I don't know. I'm going. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sleep. Let's be patient and kind to one another. Say, love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Love is not proud. So in relating one with another, you know, there's an old proverb that, uh, you know, there's a kind of bird, I forgot the name in English. In fact, I don't know the name in English. It says, they are all the same height, except one is standing on an elevation. They are all leveled. They are the same height. In Christ, we are all the same. My intrinsic value in Christ is not greater than yours. We, we have the same value before God. So the fact that I'm pastor does not mean <laughs> I'm more valuable to God than you. No. We have the same value before God. Amen. Your reward may be greater because of work, because of the things that you have accomplished. Amen. But value before God, we have the same value before God. So don't look at another creation of God. Don't look like at another person for whom Christ had died and look down on them. You are looking down on the grace of God when you do that. Love one another. Love one another. Verse 15. Love is not rude. 
Love does not decide, de, uh, demand its own way. Say, it's my way or the highway. Love is never like that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Love is not ir irritable. Irritable. You got it? Okay. <laughs> I'm saying it for my American people. Irritable. Love is not irritable. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I'm trying, you are laughing. If I'm trying, you shouldn't laugh. Because when you laugh, you make me feel bad. <laughs> that is love. There you go. There you go. That is love. <laughs> Praise the Lord. If you can't have fun in church, I don't know where your fun lies. <laughs> love is not irritable. It does not keep record of wrong that is done to it. <laughs> Say, Ben, it's the same thing you did three months ago. You, 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 you remember I told you he did it last month. <laughs> he did it last week, oh, this same thing, and now he's done it today again. That's not love. That's not love. You are keeping record. You are keeping account. You say you always, nobody always does anything. Nobody. Say you always do it. If you say always, always, it means it's happening non-stop. You say you always say that. If we're having a conversation, how is it that I'm always, yes, 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 that's always, that's always. But if I say <laughs> yes in every other sentence, that's not always. You say, you say it often, you say it a lot, you do it a lot, you do it frequently. But you always do that. It's a lie. Nobody always does anything. Or you never, that's another lie. You never say you love me. I, you may say I don't say I love you enough. But you say I never say I love you. How did we marry? Say <laughs> so you never, if you marry somebody that didn't say, didn't affirm their love to you, we should check you out. Or he didn't kneel down. <laughs> okay, let's wrap this up very quickly. Friends, here's what I would like for us to do. Listen to me. One of the saddest things for me when I read the scripture is the children of Israel and God in the book of Exodus. God walked with them and walked with them and walked with them and walked with them and walked with them, and walked with them and, but he couldn't change their mind. They were so adamant. He called them several. He said, you are stubborn and rebellious people. So much so in Numbers 14, 28, when they said, ah, the giants are in the land, we can't make it. He said, that's right, you will not make it. God had had enough with them. Enough with them. Enough with them. So my question to you is, there's nothing I have preached to you today, if you notice, that you have never had before. So when are you going to make a change? What I preached today, in one way or another, I have preached it before in this church. And many of you have been witnesses to it. And some people still haven't changed. Let me read a few of those scriptures to you. Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Say, you stubborn people. 
you are hidden at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did. And so do you. When will you make a change to obey God and follow God fully and truly? Exodus 32, 9. Exodus 32, 9. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Exodus 33, 3. He said, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. This is God speaking about his people. Exodus 33 verse 5. The Lord had told Moses to tell them, you are a stubborn and rebellious people. Exodus 34 verse 9. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people. And then when Nehemiah was praying and repenting before God in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 16. He said, but our ancestors were proud and stubborn. God could not change their mind. Will you, will you do differently and act differently from today? And be all that God wants you to be. Please let's rise to our feet. I want to challenge you today that take action. Make a decision today. Write it down. Put a date on it. That on this day, I determine by the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to change my ways. I repent. I repent of my disobedience, my stubbornness, my rebellion. I repent. Have mercy on me today. Have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy. There's a brother, there's a sister around you that needs help. Are you going to help them? Or are you going to ask that they must come and beg you? In spite of all we have done, in spite of us, Jesus did it for us. I want you to lift up both hands to heaven. And ask God to take away stubbornness from your heart so that you can fully and truly obey Him. Whatever it is you are struggling with, believe me, you are not the first to struggle with it. And many have overcome that thing that you are struggling with. So just ask that God, Heavenly Father, Help me. Help me. Help me. In the name of Jesus. Help me, mighty God. Help me, King of glory. In the name of Jesus. We're going to be praying and uh, doing the anointing right about now. Uh, please give me Genesis chapter 28. Verse 16, Genesis 28, and the 16th verse. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, no, 48, I'm sorry. Genesis 48, verse 16. Genesis 48, and verse 16. Said, The angel who has redeemed me from all harm, may he 
bless these boys. May they preserve my name and the names of Abraham and Isaac and may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. The schools are about to open. Some people will be going back on campus. My daughter is going to the university to the glory of God. So there are people returning to campus. It is our prayer as schools reopen. The angel of the Lord will redeem each and every one of us in the name of Jesus. He said, the angel who has redeemed me from all harm. We see the ministry of angels both in the Old and in the New Testament. The angel of the Lord will redeem our children. The angel of the Lord will redeem ourselves from all harm in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray for all of your children, those present in the house, those watching online. If you are watching online, just stretch forth your hand to receive from the Lord. Father, I pray that you will give your angels charge over us in the mighty name of Jesus. Able to keep us in the name of Jesus. Able to deliver us from all harm in the mighty name of Jesus. The, the Bible says, because I bear the mark of Christ upon me, let no man trouble me. There will no evil, there shall be no evil come upon any of you in the name of Jesus. But God himself, the keeper, he will keep you. He will uphold you in the mighty name of Jesus. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.